You are listening to WCAT Radio, your station for quality Catholic programming. Your selected program will begin right after a word from our sponsor, GroupM7.com, a web design and hosting company. Log on to GroupM7.com today and let them know that WCAT Radio sent you. You know, my finest childhood memories was the Saturday morning movies for about four bits each. My brother and I could split a Coke and a big box of popcorn and watch movies about Tarzan, Jane, and their Amazon River adventures. Well, maybe that's where Jeff Bezos took his name. His Amazon.com is now the largest online retailer in the world. I'm Michael Malfood with Group M7, the oldest and largest website design firm in East Texas, and here's my point. And as usual, it's a good one. If your website is modern and up-to-date, mobile and search engine friendly, it matters not whether you sell a product or provide information about your goods and services, your sales justifiably will increase just like theirs. The world uses the internet. We can improve your website and your email. Look at our giant portfolio at groupm7.com. Since 1995, there's only one web and there's only one group and it's us. It's Group M7. You're listening to WCAT Radio, your home for authentic Catholic programming. Good afternoon, and thank you for tuning in to WCAT Radio's Vows, Vocations, and Promises, Discerning the Call of Love. I am your host, Dr. Marianne Erlachis. Today, I have the privilege of speaking with a very special guest, a Catholic author, Belinda Moody. Um, Before launching into today's program, let us begin with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Dear God in heaven, from all eternity, you willed to reveal to us the depths of your love and create humanity to bear your own image and likeness. You have bestowed upon us an immeasurable gift. Please help each of us to prayerfully discern the unique vocational path upon which you invite us to embark. Help us to tune out the din of distractions and to truly listen for the gentle sound of your call. Grant us the courage to view ourselves and others through your eyes, focusing not on limitations and failures, but rather on the abyss of your divine love. Teach us to hope in your promise and to answer your call with boundless trust. Remain with us always as we seek only to do your will. Grant us the grace to remain faithful to living in harmony with your divine will. And we ask this through the intercession of Our Lady, the All-Pure, the Ever-Immaculate, Blessed Virgin Mary, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, again, welcome, listeners. And today I have the privilege of speaking with a fascinating guest, Belinda Mooney, regarding her personal vocation journey and her new workbook entitled My Therapeutic Lifestyle Changes. Belinda is a licensed social worker and a chemical dependency counselor. Belinda has worked in clinical and program management in both the inpatient and outpatient chemical dependency programs. She is a member of the National Association of Addiction Counselors. She is an entrepreneur. She has owned her own business, which was dedicated to training other professionals. She is currently an adjunct professor of human services at Lone Star College in Montgomery. She has written several nonfiction texts, including this most recent workbook. Belinda is a homeschooling mom, a component of her vocational story that she and I both share. 
Welcome, Belinda. Thank you for joining me today on WCAT Radio's Vows, Vocations, and Promises, Discerning the Call of Love. And thank you for being here today and sharing your insights regarding your new workbook, My Therapeutic Lifestyle Changes. Thanks, Mary. I'm so excited to be here with y'all. Belinda, could you tell our audience a little bit about your background, your vocational story? Okay. Um, When I was a young woman, I felt that God was calling me to work in social work. You know, there were a lot of uh, really strong Catholic and Christian women who were in the field of social work as it first started, and I felt that even though I had a lot of different talents that God had given me and a lot of areas I could go in, I kept kind of feeling called back to that. So I went to school and eventually um, I got married and, and had a few children and I was still in school <laughs> and I was working and actually I was, um, I'm a widow now, but I was actually putting my uh, husband then at the time uh, through college while I was supporting the family. So those first 10 years after I graduated with my master's in social work uh, were a lot of work, and I felt I wasn't clear uh, like people are now about the, what the word vocation meant. I, I didn't understand single, married, or religious, or priest. I understood it as what I felt a calling to. And so that's kind of where I was going then in, into social work and then getting married. Um, I was kind of continuing to do my career with my husband and children at the time. And so you can imagine um, I didn't have any understanding of the therapeutic lifestyle changes then. I just went full out like a horse out of the gate for 10 years. I I tell people that I felt like, okay, I know what God wants me to do. I'm going to do it. It was like a steam engine just going straight ahead on the track, and he kind of turned the track on me, and I just kept going straight ahead until I looked back and go, what? What happened here? So what ended up happening was my oldest child was asking me to homeschool him for about two years, and honestly, I had never really known any homeschoolers, and I, I had a, that was 25 years ago when it was not very well known, and I had a bad feeling about it, and I just, I really thought those people were weird, and I never was going to do that. So it took God two years to work on me. Yeah, to, because I'm like, well, I'm, I'm supporting the family right now. How can I get out of my field? And, um, and I was really becoming very successful. And uh, like you had said at the beginning, I was training other people who didn't have any information about addictions uh, through our schools of social work at the time. They just weren't really training on that. Now they are, but not, not then. And so uh, I wanted to make sure that these licensed professional counselors and licensed social workers, these people who were going for their certification for addiction counseling, that they had, they had someone who, who had the skills to teach them and had the experience. And um, so that's what I was doing. And so anyway, I, I just like when I, when I really felt that God was calling me to do this uh, homeschooling, I just closed my business, you know, um, finished up with all my clients or referred them if they had to be referred and just did a 360 degrees turnaround and came home to homeschool my children. I mean, I, I, 
I mean, and I was starting with a child who was in the eighth grade from a magnet program for math and science in, uh, he was going into eighth grade and he had been in this magnet program. So he was already accelerated in math and science. So I really started with a homeschooler and I had a first grader and I had a three-year-old and I was pregnant at the time. And there was so much going on and such a massive move from Atlanta to uh, Arkansas that I actually lost my baby. Um, and uh, yeah, so I've had two miscarriages and I've got seven um, living children. So. It's all good. God has those two babies. They're waiting for me there, and um, I've got seven more to pray for, you know, all of us to get to heaven. So anyway, um, Belinda, I started homeschooling. You were yes. able to share that. I have uh, eight children, eight living children. Three of them are yeah. uh, adopted, and okay. I also have two little ones that I miscarried as well. Um, yeah. And much of your story sounds very much like like mine. Yeah. Uh, professional world and homeschooling and 25 years ago and yeah. when my husband said I think you should homeschool I said I think you're nuts um, exactly yes <laughs> yet embraced it fully and once I did Me too. it was wow Me too. Um, I know I know I know you know exactly I know and it's so funny because the same skills yeah, the, the same skills that I used in social work where I was going out and training people and going to conferences and speaking and doing all this stuff. Well, I started writing and speaking in the homeschool world. I started doing some conferences in Southern California for the homeschoolers there and writing for what used to be one of the homeschooling magazines. So I, would, I didn't do as much, but I did during that time, at the very beginning when my first year was uh, tackling history with my, like I said, accelerated math and science student, and the history was giving us problems, I just thought, well, there must be a different thing that I can do. So um, we were using Christ the King, Lord of History by Ann Carroll, which a lot of yes. homeschoolers use. And at the time, there was no workbook that went with those two books, Christ the King, Lord of History, and Christ in the Americas, both of those texts now have a workbook that I wrote to go with it because my son was having trouble with all the um, essay questions. So I, in, a, in an act of service, I said, well, I could do something about this. I could just write a workbook for all these people coming home from Catholic school or coming back to home, coming to homeschool from Catholic school or from public school or some other kind of school. They're, used to, they're more used to this than essay questions. So I developed the workbooks, and they've been selling with Ann Carroll's books now for all 20 years now. And she and I are writing the uh, update, a supplement to the Christ the King Lord of History. Right now I'm getting ready to publish it in the next couple of weeks. You can look for that on Amazon. I had to finish the Therapeutic Lifestyle Changes workbook first, but the next one's getting ready to come out. I'm working on that now. But um, so all those years I was just mostly staying home, homeschooling. I had three children who have neurological problems, and so they had ADD, ADHD, and one of my children has Asperger's, and it's a very long story. My life has been very difficult, and God has really allowed me to suffer with him. Let me just put it like that. So uh, that's good. That's all good. Uh, he's gotten me through everything. And now, uh, after 25 years or all this time later, I 
um, back in my field again. My last two children are still homeschooling in their math area, and then they've been taking courses at Lone Star College for dual credit. So that's kind of that's really helpful to um, give them another way to get all their high school credits and get some college credit at the same time. So they're finishing up. Um, one's graduating this year, and my son has just two more years to go of high school. And so I'm almost done with my homeschooling. And in the meantime, I started teaching at Lone Star College. And my very first semester there, the, work, the book that I'm using to teach the basic counseling skills, in the second chapter is talking about um, therapeutic lifestyle changes. And when I say this, let me just tell you that when I first got into social work, the second day on the job, after having told God I didn't want to deal with alcoholics and addicts, the supervisor <laughs> looked at me and said, Mrs. Mooney, I'd like you to do the substance abuse program in the prison. And I'm like, what? I don't know anything about that. So I had to go, I had to beg time off from them and beg someone to train me, and that's how I got started. So God had a plan, and he helped me, and I've helped many, many people since then because, you know, he, that's what he wanted me to do. So I was um, so now the you know the first couple of weeks into this job, I'm reading the second chapter and looking at these therapeutic lifestyle changes because this is what has come to the forefront since I've been out of my field, and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, if I had only had that, I wouldn't have burned out. Oh my goodness, if my students had something that would really help them get this into their life they might not burn out. So originally, my <clears throat> impetus for writing this workbook was just to develop a kind of template where I could ask them, you know, in all these different areas, what's your current status? What would you like to do? You know, like what you're doing or not doing. What would you like to do, which is your projected goals? And what are your strengths to meet them? So I just kind of developed a very simple two or three page thing like that. The, the, had like spiritual enhancement, all the different TLCs that I'm going to talk about in a minute. And so it went from that to me talking to them in class about how to fill it out and working with them to me saying, well, they're not remembering when they get home because it's complicated, to me saying, well, I could do something about that. I can write the first, I can write some chapters that talk about this. And that's how the book came together. And the more the book, yes. The more the book started coming together, the more I understood that this was not just for my students. This was for everybody because especially right now, uh, coming through this pandemic, one of the things I told my children at the very beginning was there was a Spanish priest who was imprisoned a long time ago. And in his own way, he told the other prisoners, the other priests that he was imprisoned with, look, what we have to do is follow a routine. Every day we have to get up and make whatever bed cots they had and then exercise, eat, say our prayers. Like he was putting the TLCs into work, and that's how they made it through their imprisonment. And so I told my kids, if they can make it through prison by doing this, you, you two and me, we're going to make it through this time, however long we have to stay in this house by ourselves. We're going to do it, kids. And we did. We we got this going, and but you understand that this was three years ago when I originally started working this with the uh, students, 
um, three years in August, and now this year, this last year, I'm actually using this in my home with my kids. And anyway, it has been it's amazing, a fabulous God, journey. It's amazing, providential plan works. Yeah. Yes. Um, one of yes. the things I want to highlight from your journey is your willingness to embrace whatever God has put in your path. When uh-huh. your son said, I need homeschooling, Mom, um, you studied it. You didn't jump in right away. You looked at it critically. You took a couple years, and then you jumped in. Um, right. When you needed to help your husband um, put him through schooling, it may not have been what was in your plan when you were working right. on your master's, but you set aside your dreams and goals because this is what right. God has planned. When right. you jumped into the work environment and you're told, day one, when it's the last thing on your agenda, hey, we want right. you to work in the prison, Mrs. Mooney, right. and, and work with a, as an addiction counselor when it wasn't your background and it was certainly right. outside of your comfort zone. You yes, allowed yourself totally. to be stretched and you had the faith that God would equip you with the skills you needed to make it work. And the other thing right. I wanted to highlight from your story is the other-centeredness that I haven't heard any, this is what I want, this is what I was going to do, me, me, me. Everything uh-huh. has been, you know what, I'm working on this and I'm thinking my students it could benefit from this so they don't burn out like I did. It right. has been all along, when you, were, when you were in this situation with the trying to figure out how to get the skills to become an effective addiction counselor in a prison setting. It wasn't, right. I'm not comfortable doing this. It was, okay, I need to educate myself. If they're right. not going to give me the training, I need right. to be effective because I don't want to mess this up for these guys. I want to do this right, right Lord. Help me do it. Right. Um, yes, yes. One of those, I think those are huge, Belinda. I really do. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, it's it was that way with uh, homeschooling too. Like I knew nothing about homeschooling, and I was having to homeschool the whole time I did with children of all varying ages because my first one was fourteen, almost fourteen, going into the eighth grade. But like I said, ninth grade math and science, so he was really the ninth grade. And then I had a a first grader, a kindergarten first grader kind of situation. Um, so my first grader might have been, what, six? And then I had a three-year-old baby. Well, he must have not been quite three then. I think he must have been two because there were a little bit more years between them. I had, uh, anyway, that's a long other story that I don't need to get I into. In but my first three sons. I understand. Mm-hmm. I understand completely. Yes. I had... Um, yes. My eldest now is 25, and my youngest is is 13. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Bringing home children from another country yeah. who were adopted yeah. and trying to um, homeschool the others, and some of mine were incredibly bright. I had a, a three-year-old yeah. who taught herself to read and play the violin at three, because yeah. um, she was wow. bored. Yeah. Um, yes. On the other end of the spectrum, we have the children that had been in an orphanage and trying to help them cope with the grief of not 
being where yeah. they were before and understand right. this, you know, weird new language that they're suddenly hearing um, and all of, all of what comes with it. So I do understand uh, where yeah. you're coming from there. It's, it's a unique set of challenges, but the beauty of how you rose to those challenges and now you're, you're putting that into practice through the book and through your teaching at Lone Star um, right. Which is well, like, I can truly yeah. tell you that it's all God. And since I gave up my life once before for my children, when I got to this point here in the last three years, uh, I just said, okay, Lord, now um, I'm yours. And so what I see is writing for the glory of God. So I think that I'm going to be writing and writing and writing because I've got a lot of projects coming up. Um, beyond this book with Ann Carroll, and I can get into those maybe in another um, broadcast if you want, but um, I can see myself writing, I can see myself continuing to teach, and I can see myself going all over the country, maybe even the world, talking to people about the TLCs and trying to help them put it into practice because I'm offering through my website it's www.tlc, like the Therapeutic Lifestyle Changes, tlcwellnessinstitute.com. So the, the tlcwellnessinstitute.com website has um, a link to buy the book, my Therapeutic Lifestyle Changes workbook, but it also has an opportunity for people to ask me for consultation because what I have found, and it's really weird, is that I'm really good at helping people get their goals into a format that they can actually accomplish. And I'm really tough on them if they can't, if they, if they just, you know, you're not just going to tell me I want to exercise more. You're going to tell me when and what time and how you're going to fit it in and where it's going. And if you, if you fail, I'm going to tell you, okay, grab the hand of Jesus and get back up, but it's time to begin again. St. Francis de Sales talks about beginning again. So the last chapter in my book is about beginning again because, look, everybody's going to stop what they start. Everybody's going to have a hard time. Everybody's going to have things that are just slamming them in the back and they're like, can't hardly catch, or in the chest, can't hardly catch their breath. There's just life sometimes just slams us and we can't keep up with everything we said we were going to do. So when we catch the next breath, we get a chance to catch the hand of Jesus and, and begin again. And that's what I'm trying to encourage people to do. But um, so if you want, concept. I can... I feel the merry-go-round yeah. spinning faster and faster in my own yeah. life. It's like I, yeah. you get dizzy. And as you say, you yeah. feel like you're not doing anything well because there is so much mm -hmm. there. When we look at the yeah. book, um, the, uh, let, let's go through it a little bit more methodically. Um, okay. First of all, can you take a step back for my audience sure. um, and define what a therapeutic lifestyle change is? What exactly okay. do we mean when we say therapeutic lifestyle change? Yeah, well, it's those, those simple common sense things and also research-based, evidence-based things that we can do to make our lives more calm, more balanced, more ordered. Sometimes we call them wellness areas, and a lot of people have written about, you know, how sleep is important or how, you know, meditation and spirituality is important, about how nutrition is important. And some people have, like the University of Kansas, I believe, have used, and the Inst National Institutes of Health, they've used 
some of the TLCs and in primarily what they normally do is exercise, nutrition, um, and hydration. Those exercise and nutrition primarily are being used for weight management, but the rest of the TLCs are not being implemented in a holistic fashion. So if you take these areas and, and what they are, they're like spiritual enhancement. And I break that out into two different areas, like, well, actually three. Your study and reflection, your prayer and meditation, and then if you belong to 12-step groups, what steps you're working on in those 12-step groups. So you see why I saw it expanding way beyond just the students that I was serving. It, they could go out and they could use it with their clients. Anybody who's in recovery from addictions, trauma, depression, anxiety, anybody can use this book and get a better uh, life, quality of life because even it has been proven that even if a person has clinical depression, they may not have to be on medication if they do these therapeutic lifestyle changes. This is research-based, evidence-based information. It's not me making this up, and that's when I got really excited. Wow, we could, by just putting these into our life, we could even not have to go on certain types of medications that are really helpful in stabilizing the brain. So I'm not anti-medication. Right, I believe right. you should have medications that need you need to help your brain stabilize, especially when there are neurological problems. Like I've, I had three children. I didn't want my first child to get on medication. I've seen what prescription addiction could do in a family, and I didn't want that to happen to my son uh, eventually. And so I resisted until something happened that I had to do it. And then boom, within a week he was reading words. Within a month he was reading anything he wanted to read. His teacher was telling me he'd be being tested for gifted if I'd had him there the whole year. Like, oh my gosh, it, it turned my mind around. Okay, so, but what I'm saying is that even though you're not anti-medication, if you know that working these TLCs can even possibly or potentially mean that you don't have to take medication, well then just think if you have to what this is going to do in combination with it. I mean, it's just really going to make your life a lot better. So we start out with spiritual enhancement. We go to, to relationships that can be family relationships, social support group relationships, like what we were just talking about, the 12 steps, or if you have other groups, group therapy groups that you're with, and then romantic relationships. We talk about TLCs in the service area, whether it's just what I call intentional acts of kindness, because to me, kindness is so, it's so fundamental that it's the second thing that St. Paul quotes when he talks about love is patient and kind. And so I say we need intentional acts of kindness. We need to be, I actually have a checklist of my TLCs and, and, down the left are all the, the areas I want to make sure I cover that day and over to the right are 1 through 30 and I'm checking off every day as I'm getting these things done and I'm intentionally trying to do some kind of an act of kindness to someone every single day. And I'm talking about beyond the being really nice to your kids and, and a good parent. That's all what I think I'm supposed to do. I'm talking about... Uh, texting someone that I, that God put on my heart that I felt might be lonely or someone that I hadn't heard from for a while or someone that I know is going through a bad time. You know, uh, just to pick up the phone and text them 
or to call them or to, you know, some people prefer other means. And I still do send cards and I do send things in the mail, little gifts or whatever. So those are the kind of things. So we talk about service and then we talk about cultural identity, how to, how to really um, get a sense of your community and your, the strengths of your culture. Then I go into exercise. And let me tell you something, that coming out of a, a trauma, traumatic situation myself, coming out of trauma, uh, when I read that swimming and exercise are so good for your brain, there's a doctor, John Rady, who wrote a book called Spark, the revolutionary new, um, I'm blanking on the whole title, the revolutionary new something of exercise. Anyway, it's a book where he pulled literature, a literature uh, search from all the uh, studies that had been done on exercise, all the research where they actually did um, studies where they had research groups, right? And he said that exercise is so good for your brain. It's not just your body. So our bodies are a temple of the Lord, but our brains are what keep our intellect functioning correctly to make all the good decisions and to live by the commandments. So having come out of trauma, I thought, oh, I really, really need this for my for myself. Okay, so it's the revolutionary new science of exercise and the brain. That's it. Spark, the revolutionary new exercise of, uh, new science of exercise in the brain by Dr. John Rady. And so I began to immediately look into swimming because it's really a great exercise for building healthy tissue in your brain. And so I do that and then I run or jog, you know, I walk and jog um, other parts of the year. And then I found out about stretching through Pietra Fitness. So PietraFitness.com is a website that you should look up because it's a Catholic-based stretch training program and it's absolutely fabulous. So anybody who's Christian doesn't have to do positions of other religions. You know, right. they can do something that has uh, something that honors their religion. And so uh, I'm actually going to be doing a presentation on the TLCs for a Pietra Fitness Workshop this Saturday on um, May the 8th called the Becoming conference and so anyway I'm really really thrilled because now I'm doing stretching as well as my other exercise so we look at what people are doing in their exercise area because a lot of people I'm just going to tell you if you won't do it for your body then do it for your brain because I don't know about y'all but I have been so fogged and there's been so much confusion through all this virus and pandemic that I have had to really not only just coming out of the trauma but just this by itself would have done me in. It's hard for me to remember things. I'm having trouble focusing. Well, that's what exercise helps you with. I went to a doctor once when a long time ago when I was having um, sinus infections and other things going on, and I said, look, I I'm, I'm so glad that you're helping me, but what can I do to prevent this? He said, exercise. I said, Ugh. you know, it's my first thought. Does any time I have to exercise just to exercise, that doesn't, that that didn't at that point in time make me I didn't understand what I was doing for my body and brain so that didn't make me thrilled I just thought oh this is agony because you put me on a basketball court when I was younger I could run the whole length up and down the court for a whole game and still be ready to go next I mean that's how wonderful 
that form of exercise was for me. But now trying to think, oh, I'm going to go to a gym. I'm gonna... Well, Dr. Rady actually says it's better if you just go outside and walk or run because that's the outdoor is what is going to make your brain have the most, uh, it's going to give you the most benefits in your brain because it's not just the exercise, but it's also hearing the birds, looking at nature, seeing the sky, thinking about God. Like there's a lot that goes into outdoor exercise. So that's what he recommends. That's what I try to do the most. And so um, anyway, that that's kind of a, uh, a way to say that exercise is just, extremely important to building good tissue in your brain and new neurons and so so is sleep so that's the next area sleep uh, most people don't get a lot of good sleep and there's a researcher dr rom lacan who she wrote a book tired but wired the essential sleep toolkit she said that between 10:30 and 12 10:30 p.m to 12 o'clock uh, a.m so 10:30 to midnight those are the most beneficial sleep hours for our body and I don't know many people who can get to bed by that time but that's what I'm working toward because that's I know that when I go to bed by 10:30 and I'm sleeping I feel better the next day if I don't the closer to 12 I go to bed and God forbid beyond 12 because then I'm really not feeling well the next day but um, those are the hours so we look at how people are sleep deprived we look at what they want to do about that and then we tackle their nutrition that could be food and that can be hydration we're supposed to not um not be looking so much at following the diet culture because that's the bad thing and it makes us gain weight we're just looking at good good food for our body that helps build our brain tissue and our body tissue and um letting go of all this forbidden foods and all this stuff that just cause us to feel bad and so we eat more. Right. I talk a little bit about that and I recommend another book under that area. So I've got in the back of the book, I've got all these books listed in a bibliography. I'll tell you, Mary, that was the hardest part of the book to write was the bibliography. Oh that was torture because you've got to get all the the dates, the authors, the the publishers, and if you didn't look it up while you were writing it, you got to somehow find it, and it's not easy to find. It was well, Linda, very that's hard, my but Achilles I felt heel. footnotes and bibliographies yes. are absolutely my Achilles heel. Um, yes, I understand. So, I do. But I felt that with this book particularly, I'm um, um, advocating so many things during during the little parts of the therapeutic lifestyle changes that. If you don't have a way to go and verify what I'm saying, you might just not want to do it because you might not think I'm, you know, people are skeptical. They don't know the person who wrote the book personally. Oh, well, you can say a lot of things. Okay, but, no, I'm backing it up, and if you want to go look, there's her book. She's the one that researched it, not me. I'm just telling you what she said, and you can go look it up. And I want to make sure that people have all those sources. So, anyway, so we, we look at that. Then we look at health, your physical health, and what I mean by that is, a lot of a lot of us especially women neglect our appointments our doctors but we, we can get appointments for everybody else in our family but not ourselves so I'm really on that I'm on top of that myself now and I'm on top of that in advocating for other people especially women to make sure that they have their appointments set and kept and everything that they need for their physical health because again like my students and again, like I'm going to say at the end to the future priests and, and sisters and everything, if you don't do it for yourself, if you don't put your oxygen mask on first, 
you are going to die trying to help other people get theirs on. I did. I know what I'm talking about. I had chronic fatigue. I was diagnosed with mono, and I was still, I was on a beeper at the job right before I opened my own company. I was on a beeper. I could not make myself get out of bed. Six o'clock in the morning, the alarm would ring out, and I'm going, please, God, help me get out of bed. I'm checking all my depression symptoms. I am not depressed. I'm eating correctly. I'm sleeping correctly, but I can't get out of bed. Well, it's because I had mono, and by 6.30, I guess the angels helped me, but I got out of bed, and I was going until 7.30 at night sometimes, and then I was on a beeper. They could call me any time during the night. Like that is how crazy my life was. So I don't come at this from a position of judgment. I come at this from a position of strength because I've been there, I've done that, I know what that's like, I don't want you ever to go there. And if you could possibly learn from my mistakes, oh, well then I would feel so happy that some good came out of that tragedy for me because I still carry the effects of chronic fatigue in my body. So this is why I'm so really tough with people. I'm saying, you know what you need to do to get your life in balance or order. There's been something nagging you for the last few months, and if you could just do that one thing, things would be better. Well, then I'm going to ask you to do that one thing in whatever of these areas we're talking about today. Just start. Just begin. And, hey, if you fail tomorrow, you'll begin again. But for right now, just take that area and say, what do I need to do? God, give me the courage to get it done. And let me just start with something small right now. So even when we're, when we're doing our goals under the projected goals, and I tell people, if you've never exercised in, you know, five years, and you're not going to get out there and go walking a mile tomorrow, that's ridiculous. Like, let's walk a fourth of a mile, then a half a mile, then a, then a three-fourths of a mile, then a mile. Like, let's build your body or build your schedule, and it may take time, so you may have to have some graduated goals. You know, so you have a smaller goal right now. For the next week, I'm going to walk a fourth of a mile every day. That's all I'm doing. The week after that, I'm walking a half a mile every day. That's all I'm doing. And then you kind of keep graduating until you can walk up to what you want to do. I don't know how long I go. I only know that I'll walk at least 30 minutes because there's, uh, there are some things written that say if you have at least 20 minutes of exercise, that's, that's um, really the minimum for your body, and uh, that will help to keep the stress off. A doctor had actually told me when I lived in South Carolina, she said, Belinda, you really need to exercise every day and don't worry about whether or not, you know, uh, you're doing it for your body or you're doing it for, you know, getting in shape. You just need to get the stress out because with, with a husband with, with mental problems and addictions and kids with neurological problems. I had so much stress that I was carrying in my body. And the exercise is about getting the stress out. If I could say that to people, I'd like go around everywhere and shout it out. Don't look at this as like, oh, you got to lose weight or you got to exercise so you could just get in shape. All that stuff might happen, but the real reason you're exercising is to manage your stress to build the healthy tissue in your body and your brain and manage that stress. And it's going to be a, a lifesaver so that you don't have a heart attack later because you're anxious about everything going on. So, so the health has to do with physical. 
and keeping all those appointments. It also has to do with mental and emotional. And so I ask people to set, even set goals for therapy. Oh, this is an area where people don't understand, a lot of people don't understand that if you find the right therapist for what you're dealing with, if you're dealing with depression, find someone who does cognitive behavioral therapy. If you're dealing with trauma, find someone who does EMDR for trauma. Like, go to the particular therapist who is highly trained in what you're doing and what you're needing and what you're getting ready to tackle and take it on and deal with it and then it's done. And your whole life will look a lot differently when you're finished because the way you think about what's happened to you in the past is going to change. It's so wonderful. So then we look at work and finances and try to set some goals in those areas. And then we look at brain work, I call it. Um, Dr. Rady wrote a book with Dr. Edward Hollowell. They wrote books on attention deficit, attention deficit with hyperactivity. And Dr. Hollowell coined a term called neurobics in that book that I really love. And it kind of follows along with what Dr. Vince Fortenay says in his book, The Anti-Alzheimer's Prescription, that if you do things like Sudoku, word finds, crossword puzzles, logic puzzles, they're going to stimulate your brain. Dr. Fortenay says that everybody can prevent, even if they have a genetically predisposed um, brain to Alzheimer's, they can, they can hold off the Alzheimer's for 10 years by doing all the things in these TLCs, in particular with this neurobics to work their brain. So think about that for a moment with me. If you're 70 and you would have gotten Alzheimer's at like 75, you could hold it off to your 85. Well, some people, you might die before you ever got Alzheimer's. Right. And if you see how important it is. It's just so important. Um, the other thing about sleep is that Dr. Fortenay says in his book, that the people who, whose sleep cycle is off and on and off and on, you're never maintaining a constant sleep cycle or you're working opposite to your sleep cycle. That has a higher predisposition to Alzheimer's than people who just have a steady maintenance of sleep. So ER doctors, um, you know, people who work a shift that's a night shift or whatever, it's harder for them, so you have to, I guess what I'm saying is, please don't get afraid of what I'm saying, but know that if you're in one of those kind of jobs, you're going to have to be working at this because even if you're not genetically predisposed uh, to Alzheimer's, you can get it by just throwing off your brain cycle of sleep and everything. So you, you need to work on it right now and not wait till later when something starts happening. So under brain work, we talk about the neurobics and we talk about the higher education. So my students are in higher education. So most of them don't even need any, any other of the neurobics, but quite a few of them actually enjoy uh, word finds, the crossword puzzles, or Sudoku. So they, so they want to do it. And the other thing I forgot to mention was chess. Chess is like the ultimate game. It's just like uh, so good for your brain, it's unbelievable if you want to do something to work your brain. Um, then the other areas, the last areas of the TLCs that I cover are creativity. And I'm going to talk about that and just, yeah. Uh, let me see how I could put this. If, if you have always felt that you're not an artist 
or you're not really a good writer, or you don't really sing or play a musical instrument, well, then how am I creative? Well, you might work on cars. You might love to fix people's hair. You might do interior decorating all day long, or you like painting your home and making it look different. All that is creative. So you've got to find where you're creative and do some of that, hopefully a little bit every day, even if it's just a little bit, even if it's just looking on Pinterest to see what new things could go on your patio next summer, not even this summer. Maybe you don't have money, but you're, you're daydreaming about what you need for your home to make it what you want, and you're building a board that shows what you'd like to have on it, some kind of things. Anything that, that works your creative part is very, very good for your brain and just good for you all the way around. So I just encourage people in that uh, section to think outside the box. Um, I, you, love you know, you, your, I love how in your chapter three you have uh, things delineated in terms of first try, better, and best efforts. Um, I, I think that's a, a really yes. important way to look at it. Yes. Okay, so let me just tell you how I got there. A lot of my students were handing in their TLCs before I wrote the full workbook. And again, I might have said to them, please don't put down I want to exercise more as a goal. That's not a goal. That's in your current status section. I'm not exercising right now. I really want to exercise more. That's good. That's all good. It's good information for you to have, but it's not a goal that you're going to be able to reach if you just put... So a lot of them still turned it in. Well, that's the first try. We're not going to end up with that because we're not going to, we're not going to reach the goal if that's where we stay. A second try would be like, I'd like to exercise at least two times a week. And then a third time would be, I will exercise Monday, Wednesday, Friday from 3 to 4 to begin with. And in two weeks, I'll go Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. You see what I'm saying? From 3 to 4. That's how you write a goal. So that's kind of where I came up with first try, second try, and then your best. And, but when people are actually filling them out, they want to write like the best, most helpful ones. They don't want to go to those other ones. That was just a way to show you, look, see how the process goes in your mind? You might think like this at first. You might get a little more specific in this better try, but then... In the end, the best, most helpful way that, that I'm showing you here is what you really want to get to at the end, and that's what you want to put in the book in your, when you do your workbook and you fill it in. That's what you want to do because other than that, you're not going to be very successful with your goals. They just won't be specific enough. So, and that leads to the next question. Um, yeah. I re you've got accountability in there. Um, yeah. And discuss just how important accountability is. And if you don't have goals that are honed to the point where they fit that right. best criteria, then there should right. be accountability. Can you explain why accountability is so vital? Okay, well, let's take the very last TLC and we'll work with that one. So after creativity, we talk about self-discipline. I talk about self-discipline with screen time, with alcohol or other drugs, and smoking, with other addictions. You know, I talk about account accountability, especially in those areas of self-discipline, because if you don't have, oh, it was just wonderful. One of my students filled in that TLC and he put, 
I have set up an app on my phone because he said I will reduce my phone time from four hours a day to two hours a day and I've set an app on my phone to track my time and tell me when it's done and that's when I'm done. I mean, isn't that amazing? He went out and found an app that would help him to be accountable with what he was trying to do. Okay, if you're in a recovery program, then your sponsor, your um, other support group members, there are lots of people to help you be accountable. If you're in a family just wanting to be um, maybe less irritable, you, ha you can ask uh, some of your family members if they would help you, if they would just give you a little thumb up or whatever your signal is whenever you're starting to do that so that you can, you can change what you want to do. This is what I'm talking about. So in the part about accountability, I'm asking people to try to get their accountability partners so that they can, you know, there's a built-in accountability. If you have a problem with, with um, pornography, God forbid, but if you do, I know it's hard to break, but Covenant Eyes is an absolutely fabulous thing that I would encourage everybody to put on every device they have. I mean, if I could just go around again, go around the world touting something, I'd say put Covenant Eyes on your devices because it will block and you can, if you find things that are still coming through, you can get those out and you've got accountability partners and accountability uh, through that. So that's kind of how how I talk about accountability, whatever you feel uh, can help you to make sure that you get this done and that you don't just fail right off the bat. And the thing about the TLCs is if you use them, if you are recovering from addictions as part of your um, relapse prevention plan, you've got a real huge tool belt now of all the program tool belt and all the TLCs that are going to come to your aid to help you get through everything. I also include a list of strengths because now we've set what we're doing currently, what we really will do, because every projected goal begins with I will, not I want to, not I wish I could, not I, this is what I dream of, that's all in current status, I will do this and what it is and when etc. And then you have the strengths and the resources section to what's going to help you do that. So I've just, you know, I've just put together as many strengths as I could uh, possibly think of and some resources that are outside of yourself. So the strengths would go first. That's what's inside of yourself, like the ability to learn from your mistakes, an adventurous spirit, common sense, confidence, diligence, enthusiasm, friendliness, you know, depending on the different area, um, if you take this um, section on strengths and you have it, you just kind of flip to it while you're doing your goals, then you'll see, hey, you know, I'm very persistent and I'm really, really committed to this. You know, so I've had some people say, I am going, I will quit smoking and part of their strengths are commitment a plan in place, you know, they've got something now with this goal and they're going to see somebody else and they're going to have an accountability partner. Or there's just all kind of stuff going on. So a strong faith, technological aptitude. You know, if you're going to be dealing with things that mean you're going to have to put set reminders on your phone, that's all in your goals. I will set a reminder on my phone 
um, I will put this in my calendar and set a reminder on my phone. Like, then you've got the technological aptitude to help you do all that because for me it's highly stressful because I'm still learning all this stuff with technology. But for other people who have been doing this for a long time and they're so technologically savvy, that's what the way I put it on all my, my students' papers. Technologically savvy, you know, because I wanted them to know, I already know this about you, I already see this strength. You can totally do this. And if you're someone like Logan who just put it down on his thing, I'm just going to, I've already got the app on my phone and I'm tracking now oh, on my screen time. I'm like, whoa. And this is the thing. Once you start to fill out your TLCs, you start to change automatically. You, you, you write that goal down and you see it, and now it's like you're remembering it. You, you know, you're going to do it. And then what I ask people to do is make a commitment to themselves. How often are you going to review? Uh, review your TLCs. So first of all, if you buy the book and you want to use that middle section as the work, you know, the workbook as it is, uh, then please do it in pencil because you want to be able to revise it anytime you go through a period of stress, a period of intense change. Like for my students, one semester to the next, everything changes. Their classes aren't right. the same. Their times aren't the same. For a person who changes jobs, for people who are moving, any time of transition in your life, you're going to have to rework your TLCs so that you can have a way to deal with all the stress that's coming with that time in life, and it won't look exactly the way you had it. Well, first of all, you might have been real near a gym where you were that had a pool in it, and you wanted to go swimming Monday through Friday in the morning from 6 to 7 before you went to work. Well, now you're going somewhere they don't have a pool. Well, you've got to start again. You've got to begin right. again and say, well, now what I can do is there's a long driveway from between my house and the road. I'm going to walk up and down the driveway. You, you can do whatever you have to do with whatever you have. You do not need a bunch of equipment or a bunch of things to get stored on these TLCs. They're very common sense, and they're asking you for what, what is the easiest way to make a beginning and make a good start for your life. These are amazing. Yes. Has your faith grown through the process of writing the book? Oh my goodness. Well, yeah, it was really hard for a while at the end of the book when we were having to do all the bibliography, all the different parts of the book that were difficult to get finished with. And I really had to pray a lot and depend on God to help me because I, I, I really had to pray. It's, I'll tell you that it's, it's easy to write, but it's not easy to finish and publish a book. That's the hard part. And I didn't, again, I had always published with other people because um, I didn't, I don't think I told you, but in my first 10 years in my profession, I wrote a book about children with dual disorders. So that was children who had chemical dependency and um, they had mental health issues. So uh, I wanted their parents to be able to find good treatment programs for them. So I put out all the symptoms and everything. That book was with a publisher. It's, it's, not, it's outdated now and I have the publishing right and the, as well as the copyrights and I'm not going to reprint it right now because I would have to really get back into the adolescent work to really see how everything is going now. But um, that book and the two workbooks for the Christ the King World of History and Christ in the Americas, those were all published with publishers. 
and they do all this grunt work at the end, and I'm doing it now. So I really had to pray. I had to see how God led me to this because when I came in and I saw this and how wonderful this was, this was the cutting edge now in my field with neuroscience and how neuroscience proves that the TLCs work, and I was like, Wow, then I can make a difference here because I know I know how to do I know how to do this and I can help people with this. And you know, a lot of people will say, Well, you know you have to sleep better, you know you have to do this better, you know how, but they don't show you how to do it. And to me, if I'm gonna write something, I'm gonna write it because it's a service and it's going to be practical and it's gonna help you to actually put it into place. So other people can do a lot of theoretical stuff. To me, most people don't have time for all that. They just need to know what to do and how to do it. So the book is little, easy to read those first three chapters where it talks about the first chapter talks about the TLCs like you and I were doing. The second talks about how to identify what your current status, goals, strengths, and resources would be. And then the third chapter talks about that typical first try, then better and best versions. And then the fourth chapter is actually where you have space to just write in the book. And that's where you write your TLCs. Then fifth one is the accountability, and the sixth one is beginning again. And then you have all these back pieces that I was talking about, the strengths, the resources, a daily checklist, a glossary, the bibliography. And um, so anyway, uh, it's it's just it's a, very like terrific, practical. But it is a terrific book. I have I have <laughs> it as a as a PDF that, uh, ahead of time, and I have gone through it several times. It is a terrific book. Um, mm-hmm. As our program, WCAT Radio's Vows, Vocations, and Promises to Starting the Call of Love is facilitated through Holy Apostles College and Seminary. And a number of our listeners are men in formation, uh, whether they are men in formation for the ministerial priesthood or whether they are in formation for religious order. We also have some women who are in formation for religious orders who listen as well. If you had a single nugget of advice for this particular group of listeners, what would that nugget of advice be? Well, um, I had mentioned it kind of briefly before, but I would really ask you to take care of yourself so that you don't burn out and that you can serve people with a clear mind and a clear heart and a strong body because if you don't do this for yourself, you can recommend it to other people, but they know you're not walking your walk. Is how we say it in Southern <laughs> They know when a person walks the walk, and, and you're going to say to them, you know, I know what this is like. I've looked at that book. I've gone to therapy myself. I am out walking. You see me in adoration. Like, you have to do what you tell other people to do. So it's best for you and then it's best for your credibility that you take care of yourself. And then you can help everybody else once you've worked through all this stuff yourself. Then you can really help people like I'm helping people to put this into their lives. You don't have to be a therapist to help other people do this. You just have to know how to do it. And that's why the I think the book is helpful because it gives them a chance to see it all in writing when they sit down to write, they can flip back to the part that shows the best version of the goal. <laughs> because sure. uh, I'm telling you, I've done it. Just talking to people about it doesn't, when they actually sit down to write, they don't remember all that stuff. So anyway, that's, I would say work on yourself 
and make sure that all your TLCs are in line, that you're taking care of the brain and body God gave you to, to give the best service to people, that you're forming your heart, and that if you have, look, I'm going to say it, if you have any mental health issues and you're going into service like this, those things are going to come up and they're going to bother you. So if it's possible to get them dealt with while you're in seminary or while you're in formation, wherever you are, like this would be what I would recommend. And it doesn't have to be that you have deep-seated problems. It can just be one thing that happened in your life, but that particular event needs to be dealt with or you, you're going to get triggered by someone that you're talking to and you won't be as effective, believe me, you won't be as effective with that person. Um, I know. I've been there, done that too. So that would be Linda, what I would it say. Is, it has been a pleasure talking to you. You are a wealth of information. <laughs> um, again, for my listeners, you're listening to WCAT Radio's Vows, Vocations, and Promises, Discerning the Call of Love. And my fascinating guest this week has been Belinda Mooney, and she has been talking about her new workbook, My Therapeutic Lifestyle Changes. And... Belinda, could you again mention your website um, where readers could, could get the book? Yes, it's www.tlcwellnessinstitute.com. Again, www.tlc, for Therapeutic Lifestyle Changes, wellnessinstitute.com and on the website you'll see the link to order the book and you'll also see a place to contact me if you need me to um, consult with you to help you put them to put them into practice so once you've kind of taken your best shot at them you could give me a call and in an hour we could have them done and in a, in a form that you can actually use. I also would love at some point to be able to talk to people in the seminary about this and help future priests to, to prepare themselves. So that's something else I hope to get in touch with some rectors of seminaries and see if they would want me to come and speak to them. A great idea. Well, thank you so much again. We are uh, out of time, and I think we should close by giving praise and glory to God. Um, Let's do a a glory be, first in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the the Son, and to the the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, beginning, is now, and ever shall be, be. world without without end. Amen. And to the ages of ages, amen. Great. Thank you so much, Mary. God bless you. Hello, God's beloved. I'm Annabelle Mosley, author, professor of theology, and host of Then Sings My Soul and Destination Sainthood on WCAT Radio. I invite you to listen in and find inspiration along this sacred journey we're traveling together to make our lives a masterpiece and, with God's grace, become saints. Join me, Annabelle Mosley, for Then Sings My Soul and Destination Sainthood on WCAT Radio. God bless you. Remember, you're never alone. God is always with you. Thank you for listening to a production of WCAT Radio. Please join us in our mission of evangelization. And don't forget, love lifts up where knowledge takes flight.